Second Chronicles, look again with me if you would, verse 15 of our text, where a very remarkable thing happens to Jehoiada the priest for an even more remarkable reason. It says, But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings. Now just to put into context how unusual it was to bury a priest in the city of David with the kings in the royal cemetery, I'll remind you that many of the kings themselves were not permitted to be buried among the kings. For example, the last line of verse 25, And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulcher of the kings. Now folks, think about that. Joash, who for most of his life was a good and a godly king until he turned from God, this man was not afforded the honor of having a royal funeral. Nor, by the way, was King Jehoram, nor was Uzziah, who had leprosy, or King Ahaz, and so many others. And why? Why exclude uh, some of the nation's leaders from the sacred tombs? Well, it's because this, the Arlington Cemetery of Israel, the Westminster Abbey of God's people, was always meant to be the exclusive and hallowed grounds for the noblest and the godliest of Israel's kings. This was a royal cemetery. And yet here's a man, Jehoiada, who's not even a prince. He's a priest. The irony is he's a priest who served the same king who was not giving the honor, given the honor of a state funeral. Jehoiada, who was not royalty, was treated like royalty and for one overriding reason. Verse 16 again. And they buried him in the city of David among kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and toward his house. What house? The house of God. The house that Solomon built to the glory of God just five kings prior to Jehoram. So that you see, folks, this remarkable man, this powerful influence is a reminder today that all of us, that any of us here can impact the world around us. Jehoiada, who never wore a crown, never sat on a throne, never wielded any political power, never acquired massive wealth. This is a man who's just a priest. Not unlike every single believer in this room who the Bible says is a priest. He simply did good in Israel. Both toward God and toward God's house. Let's pray. Father, please help us to understand that our lives matter and can matter. There's a reason why this man's life mattered so much so he was given this extremely unusual honor. And may we, Father, understand and embrace the reasons and why his life made such a difference so that ours will do the same. Please, in Jesus' precious name, amen. There are three reasons this morning why this relatively obscure man in the Old Testament is held up in the Bible, held up in Scripture. As a man, also held up in history, by the way, he's held up by his own generation. As a man who lived and died so very, very well. And the first reason you'll notice is that, number one, he was sincere. Now, I want you to follow this. Chapter 24, verse 16. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God. Now, let me ask you a question. You ever think about what that means? What does it mean to do good, quote, 
towards God. Well, basically, it's Colossians 3.23. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, of course, the verse doesn't say don't do good for men. We're commanded. We are commanded to love our neighbors and to do good unto others. No, what the text does say is exactly what just man Jehoiada did. Live your life towards. Do all the things that you do towards God. Make sure, in other words, that the reason you came to church today and the reason you sing hymns of praise or you sang a special a moment ago, the reason why you may give an offering or memorize a scripture or pass out a tract, Make absolutely sure that whatever you do is done first and foremost unto the Lord, towards God. You know, it is a fascinating and powerful thing to see in the New Testament that our Lord, when He came into this earth and ministered on this, in this world, saved His strongest words of condemnation, His harshest judgments. He saved those and gave them to the very people who were doing the most. And of course, by doing, I'm referring to the robes the Pharisees wore and the public prayers and the public offerings they gave and what traditions and minutiae of law they observed over and over again. The scribes and the Pharisees really were on the hamster wheel of religion and liturgy, both with their words and their works. But what was it? What was it that Jesus said and concluded about these people? Matthew 15, 8, this people. Uh-oh, that's not a very good way to start out, is it? I would hate for the Lord Jesus to say about being a Baptist church, these people. I must prefer my people, amen? But this is what Jesus said. To the scribes, Jesus said, this people, these people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. And of course, our Lord was quoting and he was applying Isaiah when he said those words, precisely because in Isaiah's day and in Jehoiada's day and in our day and in every day, always there will be those people who do not serve God sincerely. Their mouth, their hands, but not their heart. Someone asked me this week, just a couple days ago, about a recommendation for ministry. And what did I think about a certain candidate as a potential servant in their church? And I said, well, as far as I know and in my opinion, this person is sincere. And he said, sincere? I said, yep, in other words, it's not just a job, not just tradition, not just an ambition or a show, the Christian life for this man, I said, is real. He's sincere. He really does live and believe this book. And you know, I got to thinking about that after we hung up. That it's kind of sad that that kind of testimonial isn't just assumed. Amen? Pastor, he's, he's pursuing ministry. Of course he's sincere. No, 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 no. The Pharisees were in the ministry. Their heart was far from God. Jehoiada did good, the Bible says, towards God. What he did, he did for the Lord. 
And to every believer in this room today, let me add this. Being sincere and being real, being genuine in your devotion to God is not hard. It is not some impossible feat to make sure that your life, that you're living your life for Jesus and not for yourself. It's not. All you have to do is surrender your heart. Be humble enough to say, here am I, Lord, and give your heart to Him. And then make sure you do it again tomorrow. Jehoiada was sincere. Here's how sincere he was. Look at verse 11 of our text, would you? It came to pass that at what time the chest was brought unto the king's office by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it to its place again. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Oh, man. You know what that means for Jehoiada, the preacher? A private jet. Designer shoes. Do you know there's, a, there's an Instagram called Preachers and Sneakers? Preachers and Sneakers. This guy was in Texas and he's watching these preachers on YouTube and he notices, wow, those look familiar. So he Googled the sneakers the guy was wearing, the preacher. $2,500 Yeezys. So then he started watching all these preachers and he started posting all their shoes. And there's dozens and dozens of preachers. One preacher in particular, I remember, he showed that he wore, that, and that one Sunday, he wore three different pair, pairs of designer shoes. He wore Yeezys in the morning. He wore Air Force Ones in the afternoon. And that night he wore some, some woman's brand. I don't remember the name of it. You said, Pastor, you wear Johnson and Murphy. Yeah, you know what? That's my Johnson and Murphy, amen? <laughs> you know what about these shoes? You can tell the weather. If my socks are wet, it's raining. If it's not wet, it's a nice day. <laughs> this man, Jehoiada, seeing all this money come in, what's the preacher going to do with it? Look at verse 12. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And he hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord. And also such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. So the workmen wrought and the work was perfected or completed by them. And they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it. And when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money and bought a citation jet. No, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, whereof were made vessels for the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister and offer withal, and so it goes. This man was doing what he was doing, not for himself, but for the Lord. Compare that for just a moment to, the, to Jehoiada's mother-in-law, Athaliah. You know, Athaliah, in my opinion, was the most vile woman in all of Scripture. Her hero was Jezebel, his, his own mom. And she outperformed his mother's evil by a mile. Notice chapter 22. Turn back a couple pages, would you? Verse 10. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw, Ahaziah saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed, royal 
All the children of the house of Judah. Now understand, I know 2,600 years ago, it might have been almost common for pagan leaders in the Orient to kill any potential rivals, including brothers and sisters. But Athaliah killed her own grandchildren just to consolidate a little more power for herself. For herself. Can you even imagine? Grandma, Mimi, Mima. What are we going to do tonight? Are we going to bake cookies? Oh, no, dear. I got other plans for you. She, she wanted to kill a little baby named Joash. But Jehoiada, in his great courage, took that baby and hid him in the temple for six years. Can you imagine how difficult that would be? Babies cry. Diapers. Difficult and dangerous, yes. But you see, his whole life, his motivation, he is doing good towards God. He was entirely sincere in his efforts. But Athaliah, Athaliah the liar, all that bloodshed and idolatry, the paranoia, the ambition, the infanticide. You know, for six years she sat on a throne in comfort and ease, a throne that she usurped. Until Jehoiada brings Joash forth as a little boy and anoints him as the king in chapter 23. Let's read it. Look at verse 11 of chapter 23. Then they brought out the king's son and put upon him the crown and gave him the testimony and made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, God, save the king. When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people into the house of the Lord and looked, and behold, the king stood at his pillar at the entering in, and the princes and the trumpets by the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded with trumpets, also the singers with instruments of music, and such as had taught to sing praise. Then Athaliah read her clothes and said, Treason, treason. Can't you hear the hypocrisy in this woman's voice? The law, the law, the Supreme Court, pro-choice, pro-choice. And of course, instead of the people mourning her passing, because she would have lived a sincere and godly life, they did something else. The last verse of chapter 23, verse 21 says, And all the people of the land rejoiced. They rejoiced? Yeah, and the city was quiet after that they had slain Athaliah with the sword. In other words, ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch. Yeah. But here's my question. In all the years preceding that demise when Athaliah is holding the scepter and the treasury and the power, and the popularity. Through all those years, Jehoiada at the same time was constantly on guard for his very life. Through all of that, would you have rather been the selfish one who had the power and the prestige and the position or the selfless one who did not? What's your answer? Because you know what? Let's go ahead and choose to be selfless now. Today and tomorrow. In fact, now and always. Look again at chapter 24, verse 16. And Jehoiada made a covenant between him and between all the people and between the king that they should be Lord's people. I'm sorry. Yeah, chapter 24. Let me read verse 16 to you. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and toward his house. Now, I have a question. In that verse, it says that they buried him. Who's the they? 
Who buried him with the kings because of his good and sincere life? Well, the they, beloved, is all of the people for all of those years that Jehoiada's life and testimony blessed. And if you think about it this morning, that's really all that matters. Vertical, right? And horizontal. Sincere and selfless. Looking up to please God and looking out to help others. Folks, that's a life worth living. Someone handed me this the other day. It says this. In 1923, do you know who was? One, the president of the largest steel company. Two, the president of the largest gas company. Three, president of the New York Stock Exchange. Four, the great wheat speculator. Five, the president of the Bank of International Settlement. And six, the great bear of Wall Street. Who were these men and what happened to them? 1923, the president of the largest steel company was Charles Schwab, died a pauper. The president of the largest gas company was Edward Hobson. He went insane. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, was released from prison to die at home. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cougar, died abroad penniless. The president of the Bank of International Settlements shot himself. The great bear of Wall Street, Cosby Livermore, committed suicide. However, in 1923, Gene Sarazen won the U.S. Open and the PGA. And what became of him? Well... He played golf until he was 92, died in 1999 at the age of 95, and was extremely financially secure at the time of his death. And what's the conclusion? Stop worrying about business and start playing golf. Amen to that. (laughs) Okay, not really. That's not the real conclusion. Entirely. The real conclusion, beloved, is obvious. Life is short. And living like Jehoiada is far better, eternally better, than Athaliah. You know, folks, that's the reason why we people name their children Paul, not Pilate. John, not Judas. Samuel, not Saul. Jonathan, not Joab. David, not Demas. Andrew, not Ahab. Anna, not Athaliah. You know what's always amazed me, and I've mentioned it from this pulpit in the past. It has always amazed me how when the Apostle Peter introduces Jesus of Nazareth to the Gentile world, he's about to introduce the Son of God to the Gentiles. And in Acts chapter 10, he could have said a lot of things, right? I mean, so many things you could say when you introduce Jesus to what was then the pagan world. But here's what he said. Peter stands up and he says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Jesus' life, he went about doing good. Jehoiada, he did good in his nation and to God's house. It was a lesson, number one, that he was sincere. It was a lesson, number two, that he was selfless. And then number three, I want you to notice, and this is vital, he was also steadfast. Look at chapter 24 again, and this is, this is so important. The last line of verse 14. 
It says they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. How many days? How many days? How long did this man influence? Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. 130 years old was he when he died. Continually, it says, all the days, it says, for a hundred and thirty years. Thursday, Ben and I went to a restaurant that has something called Thuman's Thursdays. Thuman's are the hot dogs that they served in the push carts in Chicago when I was there, along with Vienna Beefs. And on Thursdays at this restaurant, they're half off. There was a football game on TV. Naturally, I got into it, watching it while eating my Wrigley Field Cubs hot dog. It was a close game, in fact, very close, and on one particular play towards the end, the game would have been over. This little play, had it been successful, would have run out of the clock, and it would have been over. It was sure victory. Except for one player, one offensive guard, who didn't finish the play. He didn't keep playing until he heard the whistle, and as they say, the echo of the whistle as well. He just let up. And he quit just two seconds too soon. And that was it. All his teammates let down. Thousands of fans let down. Hundreds and hundreds, if not a million people watching, let down. Pastor, he was probably tired, okay? Distracted, maybe. Didn't think it was important for him. Perhaps. Beloved, you can not quit. You know, there's an intriguing and significant aspect to Jehoiada's life that's highlighted by the Lord Jesus himself in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 23, Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's at Jerusalem and he turns his attention to those Pharisees I mentioned. And he says to them, he says, Upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. All those who died for the faith, all the murders. And then he said, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Now note this carefully. A righteous martyr named Zacharias. Who was Jesus, the Son of God, himself referring to? Well, it's Jehoiada's son. His own son. Look at chapter 24 and verse 20. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king and the court of the house of the Lord. You see, folks, Zacharias knew something. He knew that if he obeyed the spirit of the Lord and preached the truth, he was putting his own life in danger, just like his father did for all those years. He knew God's word was no longer popular. And now there was a king unlike the king who worked with his father. But you know something not far from where he was standing? 
Not far from where Zacharias was faithfully preaching the word of God, there was an unusual grave among the kings of Israel. And it was that of his father Jehoiada. And Zechariah's thoughts would be of his father's steadfastness, both to God and to God's house, blessing him to be faithful as well, also providing our own Lord Jesus with a testimony of perseverance. I'll say it again, beloved. There are others around us that are reasons why we cannot quit. Many years ago, in my second year of Bible college, my roommate and I were going door to door in Chicago and we were visiting from apartment to apartment. You bring these buzzers and then they buzz you if they want you to come in and you go on up. And we're making visits to see if there are any prospects to ride the bus to Indiana to church. We happened upon, we rang a buzzer, usually they just tell you to go away. We told him who we were. And he rang the buzzer and said, come on up, cheery. We went up all these stairs and we happened upon this old man who was none other than Peter Dynica, one of the truly courageous and faithful preachers who was born in the old Soviet bloc of Belarus. His nickname was Peter Dynamite because of his amazing prayer life and his boldness. He gave us both. After he prayed, he laid hands on us, prayed with us, and we talked for a long time. And he gave us both the copy of his signed little book, Much Prayer, Much Power. And it was an amazing visit for a couple of young preacher boys. And it was from that visit that I noted a little memento. It simply said, Peter Dynica, Revelation 2.10. Jesus said, Fear none of those things which shalt, thou shalt suffer. The devil shall cast a sum of you into prison that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Forty-five years later, I've never had to go to prison. But I still remember the line that was underlined twice. Be thou faithful unto death. And folks, isn't it interesting that the things our Lord values and requires, anybody in this room can do. Anybody can be sincere. Anybody can be selfless. And anybody can be faithful. Not everyone can be beautiful. Just look around. <laughs> look at me. Not everyone can be talented. Not everyone is wealthy or strong or tall or athletic or of royal blood, but with God. It is not required that a man be found famous. It is required that he be found faithful. Steadfast. I was reading 1 Samuel early this week. And the familiar story of David and Goliath, and I, and I noticed where David's oldest brother, Eliab, accused David of shirking his responsibilities as a shepherd boy. Elias was the oldest, and David was the youngest, and there were a bunch of brothers in between. And he accused him of leading his flock and coming out to jump the fence to watch big old Goliath match. And it's in 1 Samuel 17, it says that Elias, Elias' anger was kindled against David. Kindled, oh, this righteous indignation. He was mad. And you know what he said to David? He said, what are you doing here? I know, exact words, I know, he said, 
is the pride and the naughtiness of your heart. Why have you left those few sheep in the wilderness without a shepherd? And of course, if you know the text well, you know that David doesn't really respond. If he does respond, it's not in anger. It's not at all. With Eliab, he's very gracious. And it's very impressive for this reason. Because I had just read in the same chapter. And we know that what David did. And we know that David was completely and falsely accused because earlier in the chapter it says, quote, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. In other words, he was faithful. He was sincere. And he was steadfast. And that's why God used him against Goliath. Can I say this this morning? If there's Eliabs in your life and they know something about you, don't you listen to critics. First they said, David, you're too young. Later they said, you're too old. Eliab said, I know the pride of your heart. He actually, Eliab didn't know. No sabes nada. He didn't know anything, right? Jehoiada was buried with royalty. He was given a king's coffin. Not because he was royalty, but only because he lived his life like the king of kings. Toward God, he was sincere. He was selfless. And he was steadfast. And I know this. I know that it's one or more of those three virtues that God is speaking to you about right now. Sincerity, why did you come today? Why do you come? Why do you do the things that you do? You know that text in Colossians says, whatsoever you do. Whatever you do. When you go to the restaurant later today, when you go fishing, whatever you do, you do hardly as to the Lord. You're living your life for and toward God. That's sincerity. Maybe it's the selfless part. Maybe it's the steadfast God wants to just convict you to finish, to stay, to finish that play. Don't let up. Don't stop until he calls us home. You know, this Thursday is the first day of fall. First day of fall, just a few days away. Break out your sweaters <laughs> and your pumpkin spice. Watch your garden for that morning frost that's going to come any moment. In January. But you know what? For me, every fall is still a reminder that life is brief. Always has been. Always has been. But it's also a blessing because it is in this life that we have, this brief life that we have, that we get to live for eternity and glorify the Lord. We may not, most of us are not, and will not be buried with kings. But we're going to go up with the King of Kings. And He's worthy of our heart. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for just a moment. I mentioned a moment ago that I know that there are folks in this room that one of these three virtues, God, if not two or all, our Lord would speak to your heart about. Tell you what, man, I, I, my desire is that this church be sincere in its love and service to God. We don't need a church full of Pharisees, scribes, 
who with their mouth do lip service, but their heart is far away from God. Let's bring our heart into this place and take our heart out of that place under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Some of you in this room, maybe you're, you're teetering on throwing in the towel. You've been blocking and you've been blocking and you've been blocking. You think, I'll just let up now because it doesn't really matter. And yet it does matter. It always matters. It matters to your marriage. It matters to those little ones that call you mom and dad or grandpa and grandma. It matters to this local church. It matters to the kingdom of God. It will always matter. Finish. Finish and finish well. Father, bless the invitation and we give it to you as always. We thank you for your word today. Thank you for the example of a man who simply did good unto you while he was in Israel and to your house. Thank you that he was selfless and sincere. And thank you, Father, that for all those years and all of his days and continually he was steadfast. May it be true of us, all of us here. Please, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.